This was a special year. Not in the way that we sometimes talk about greatest years in gaming, but in the sense that there were just so many really goddamn good games released this year. I could easily name 10 games that aren't on this list that were flirting with my number 10 spot, but in the end, this isn't the list for those games. This list is for my 10 favorite games of 2018, so let's get started. Number 10, Minute. Minute is a game that doesn't look like much. Its original Game Boy-esque graphics create a great aesthetic, but it really looks like your run-of-the-mill, top-down original Zelda clone. Even when you put your hands on the controller for the first time, you think the same thing, down to the discrete individual screens, but then you grab the sword. A music cue plays, and you may not notice at first, but a timer starts to tick down in the top left corner of the screen. You continue moving around these screens, fighting a few enemies, even meeting some NPCs, but then that timer hits zero and you die. This is a loop of minute. A genius idea for a game that gates your progress by the fact that you only have one minute to live each life, and then you start over. Any items you get along the way are permanently collected, so you quickly realize your ultimate goal. Spend each life making valuable progress in service of your ultimate quest of beating the game. Along the way, I found some really fun surprises and excellent dialogue that help elevate this game from a cool idea to a bona fide great game. Please give this game a shot if you haven't already. Number 9, Below. I fell in love with this game back in 2013 when it was announced at E3 prior to the release of the Xbox One. Let that sink in for a minute. I was immediately taken with the beautiful dark looking game where your controllable character was only a few pixels high in this oppressive and frightening journey to discover what lies in the caves below the island. It's been over five years, and now that I finally got my hands on it, I can say with certainty that I really love this game. Some of the reasons that I have for loving it may make certain people cringe and worry that this game isn't for them, and to be completely honest, it probably isn't. This is not a game that I can wholly recommend to everyone, because it is going for a distinct type of experience. This game tells you nothing, and truly wants you to figure out all of its secrets on your own. When you move through these dark, imposing caves armed with a sword, shield, and lantern, you need to be meticulous and cautious. Spike traps are there, waiting to one-hit kill adventurers that are too impatient to be concerned for their own well-being, but the hunger and thirst meters appear to make this slow and methodical pace that I'm recommending untenable. But this is where the beauty of the game comes in. The game is built in such a way that secret shortcuts are hidden everywhere, and the game truly is built on the back of these secrets. Shining my lantern on a strange looking obelisk only to realize I've unlocked a new route to the next floor below is an incredible moment. Seeing a faint glimmer of something red out in the fog and shooting it with an arrow just to see what happens, only to find that it opens up a door that I could not figure out how to get through is an incredible moment. Below is full of these kind of incredible moments. And while I can definitely say it is not a game for everybody, I can also say that it is definitely a game for me. I expect, upon putting even more time into it, that I'll only fall more in love with this beautiful, mysterious, and oppressive world. Number 8. Marvel Spider-Man Insomniac knows how to make games that feel good to play, and Marvel Spider-Man is the best they've ever done on this front. They did the thing they needed to do and nailed how the swinging feels, but they also did a lot that they didn't need to do. This could have been a fun to play but phoned in Spider-Man and it still would have made a ton of money, but thankfully it was far from it. The characterization of Dr. Octavius, 
the interpersonal relationship between Peter and Mary Jane, the inclusion of Miles as a well-rounded and believable character are just a few standout moments in a game that truly kept me glued, glued to the screen for its entirety. I can't recommend this game enough, and I'm just so happy that Insomniac nailed what makes Spider-Man great. Number 7, Astrobot Rescue Mission. I bought a PlayStation VR back when it first came out. I wanted so badly to be a believer. I was showing all of my friends these cool experiences like Super Hypercube, Thumper, Job Simulator, even that stupid Shark Tank thing. But deep down, I wasn't sure if this was a fun experience that will fade into obscurity due to lack of depth and quality of software. Then 2018 happened, and more specifically, Astrobot Rescue Mission happened. I tell everyone that I talk to about this game, I had a huge smile on my face throughout the entirety, and that's exactly what makes this game great. Astrobot is a 3D platformer in the vein of a Mario 3D world or Ratchet and Clank, and to be honest, if you had told me that this game was made by Nintendo or Rare, I would have believed you. The creators of this game do a masterful job at keeping the game fresh with new and exciting ideas and ensure that no singular mechanic becomes stale by the end of this 8-ish hour experience. A dark haunted graveyard where you need to shine your controller at places to make hidden platforms appear. A Japanese garden style level where you need to shoot shurikens out of the touchpad in order to chop down bamboo to form platforms for your little robot to jump to. A giant gorilla boss that is impossibly large and imposing, slamming his fist down on the ground trying to smash your little bot to pieces. Every few minutes I would just look around and be amazed at how well designed and crafted these mini levels are and how much love was poured into this project. This is the game that sold me on VR for the future and that is no small feat. Number 6, Battletech. A mech tactics game in which you can blow off the arm of an enemy's mech in order to disable a dangerous autocannon that was mounted to it? A Game of Thrones level politicking and backstabbing? Sign me the fuck up. Battletech is a game made by Harebrained Schemes who had previously worked on the excellent recent Shadowrun tactics games. And while this isn't so much a grid-based 100%, 50%, 0% game, the framework is familiar to anyone who has played this type of game. Where Battletech really shines is in its mech bay, where you can build custom mechs for hours upon hours like I did if you want. If you feel like making a mech that was previously an up-close and personal enforcer type of mech into a hangback, shoot-from-far-away missile boat, you certainly can as long as it has the capacity for the type of weapons you want. I won't get into the nitty-gritty of the gameplay here, even though I would absolutely love to, but the thing I want to say about this game is that it may appear to be overwhelming with some cumbersome interfaces and confusing systems, but it truly isn't. Once you get the hang of this game, it really sings. I would recommend this game to anyone who has been interested in tactics games before, and with a little bit of help onboarding, anyone can have a lot of fun. Number 5, Wandersong. Wandersong is a truly, truly special game that was criminally overlooked this year. You play as a bard that has never been good at anything in his life before except for singing. He happens to be in a position where he finds out that the world is ending and it can be saved with a song. How convenient for him. As he moves forward through the story trying to learn new pieces of this song, he meets a diverse cast of characters and learns a lot about himself along the way. I'm not going to spoil any specific moments, but I will say that the writing and character work in this game is absolutely top-notch. It has a heart to it that you rarely see in games, and when you can pull that off without being corny, let alone being as poignant and relatable as Wandersong is, then you have done something really special. I cannot recommend this game enough, and I really want more people to play it. 
because Wandersong is a beautiful story that wants so badly to be heard. Number four, God of War. A lot has been said about God of War this year, and I'm positive that many, many people will call this their game of the year for 2018. And it came so close to being mine. The change in combat felt so great coming from a person who was tired of that old style of God of War. The change in storytelling, you know, the part where it actually had a decent story to be told, is such a welcome addition coming from a person who actively disliked those old God of War stories. Pretty much everything was working against this game in my book, and I still loved it. It is worth saying that the ending to this game is an all-time mishandling of a character, and I don't really think it needs to be spoiled here, but what I will say is they took a great female character, turned her into a classic, awful trope, then took her agency away by having our strong male lead character go against her wishes and make a decision for her because he knows best. It really soured me on this game, and I think without that part, this could easily have been my game of the year. I know this is a place for me to celebrate my favorite games this year, but it would be disingenuous for me to talk about this game and not include this part because it was just awful. Obviously, I like this game enough to put it at my number four spot, so I'll briefly end with some things that I really loved. The design of the world really reminded me of Ocarina of Time, and I'm not sure that there's a better compliment out there. The World Serpent and Mimir are especially standout characters in this game, and I love the fact that it only had a few characters, but we really did get to know them well throughout the story. Learning new things about Norse mythology along the way, as real as it may be or not, was really fun and an interesting backdrop to a just overall excellent game. The single-shot format really worked for me too. It was an interesting stylistic choice that I think Corey Barlog and his team completely nailed. This game is a triumph, and if they'd only stuck the landing, I might actually be calling this game one of my favorites of all time. Number three, Celeste. Celeste is ostensibly a game about climbing a mountain abstracted into a 2D platformer. As you play the game, you quickly find out that the main character that you control, Madeline, is going through some stuff. They're not exactly clear as to what's going on in her life, but when she has her first panic attack, you kind of go, Oh, this is what this game is. This game is beautiful and has some of the best music I've ever heard in a game, period. What sets this game apart from the pack of 2D platformers is that it has a story to tell, and it does so in a beautiful way. A real standout moment for me needs a little context. Without going into too much detail, I'll just say that along the way, Madeline discovers this dark version of herself. She has no idea how to handle it at first and refuses to believe that it's part of her. She then thinks she has a solution to the whole dark part of herself problem. She can just get rid of it. Such a great idea, she poses. Hey, you'll be happier being your dark self on your own, and I'll be happier being my happy and cheerful self on my own. Brilliant. Hopeful music is playing. Maybe she figured it out. But no, of course not. You can't just get rid of a part of yourself. That part is with you forever. This dark part laughs and tells her it's impossible. Then it literally almost comes out of its portrait from the top of the screen and knocks her down to the base of the mountain that we had been spending the entire game progressing up towards the peak. Anyone who has had a breakthrough in dealing with issues of mental health, addiction, anything of the sort knows this feeling. You thought you were through the worst of it and then you get knocked down. I won't say where the story goes after this, but I will say that this moment was just such a gut punch for me. Madeline couldn't understand how she'd come so far just to get down to the bottom and I think a lot of people can relate. 
Celeste is a beautiful game that has one of the best, if not the best, portrayal of depression and anxiety and mental health that I've ever seen in a game. Number two, Into the Breach. Subset Games has done it again. The follow-up to FTL, Into the Breach, was my game of the year hands down for most of the year. I love this game. You control a squad of giant mechs designed to protect the world from this infestation of giant bugs called the Vec. I want to say briefly that this game was written by Chris Avalon, and even though the narrative is mainly on the periphery, it is excellent time travel nonsense, and I love it. Into the Breach is the most pure and perfect distillation of a tactics game I have ever seen, and by God do I love tactics games. The gameplay, gameplay mechanic that sets this game apart is that you can see exactly what the enemies are going to do the turn before they do it. This leads to scenarios where you are pushing or pulling or throwing the enemies in order to alter where their attacks are targeting. The playfield is set up like a small chessboard, and chess is maybe the most apt description of how the game plays out. It is highly tactical, and you have to consider every possible move before executing your plan because there's little margin for error. The beauty of this game comes from the different squads and how much they change the way that you play. Each time you unlock a squad with the in-game achievement system that's familiar to anyone that's played FTL, you take them out for a test run. If you're anything like me, your immediate thought is, oh god, I do not like this new squad. I don't get them. But once you figure out the hook for each one, you realize that there's hidden depth just underneath the surface, and that is what makes this game one of the best of the year. Whether you've never played a tactics game before or you've played thousands of hours of them like me, I would recommend that you give this game a try because it executes on what it is trying to do perfectly. Into the Breach is easily one of my favorite games of the year, and like I said earlier, I was sure that it was my game of the year up until the next game came out in October. Number 1. Return of the Oberdin. Return of the Oberdin is a game in which you play an insurance claims investigator. Yes, you heard that right. My favorite game of 2018 is a game in which you play as a goddamn insurance claims investigator. This is a game by Lucas Pope, a developer that loves to make games about the mundane as evidenced by his previous game, Papers, Please, in which you play as an immigration officer. Similar, though, to Papers, Please, Return of the Oberdin is much deeper and more rich than it initially sounds. The basic setup for the game is that a ship went missing a few years ago, and then it just mysteriously reappeared in a port and you're sent aboard to investigate. You are armed with a book that needs to be filled out by you with each passenger, what their fate was, and who was responsible for their fate. Basically, name of the dead person, who killed them, and how they died. You have a mystical pocket watch that allows you to go up to any corpse and replay the final moments of their life. These final moments range from shocking murders from their peers to incredible beasts overtaking the ship. I love everything about this game. It's amazing one-bit pointillism-esque art style, the incredible orchestral music swells coursing throughout the story, the amazing overarching narrative about the crew of the ship and their misadventures, and the gameplay itself, which asks you to really become a detective and piece together these fates by splicing together in your head all of these individual scenes. There are seldom few games that make me feel simultaneously completely incompetent and also the smartest person on the planet. Return of the Oberdin is a wholly unique experience and I would recommend it to anyone who is even a little bit interested because this is my favorite game of 2018.
Hey everyone, thanks so much for watching and or listening. Just here to remind you that you can find us by searching for Circle Back Podcasts or Circle Back Gaming on any of these podcast services. Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, or Stitcher. My God, I'm out of breath because of all these podcast services, but you can find us anywhere there. Also, you can find us, our video version, on YouTube by searching Circle Back Podcasts or Circle Back Gaming uh, and the rest of the videos we do. Thanks, guys.